So in the month of January, we're just going to do some standalone messages before we get to our prophecy series beginning in February. So I'd like you to take your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Numbers in the Old Testament, the book of Numbers. We're going to be looking at the priestly blessing from Numbers chapter 6, but before we get there, please turn to Numbers chapter 1. I want to start out in Numbers 1 for this reason. I love the book of Numbers, but I don't like the title. It's sort of a title of a book of the Bible that probably, you know, many people, I mean, it would be like naming a, a book of the Bible math. <laughs> Who wants to read that, right? Well, let me share something with you. Yes, there's a lot of data and there's a lot of statistics in the book of Numbers, but that's not the meaning of the Hebrew word. You get the meaning of the Hebrew word actually in the very first verse of Numbers chapter 1 when it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting in the wilderness. Those three words of English, in the wilderness, is the Hebrew meaning of the title of the book. The book is not so much about math <laughs> and figures as it is the experience of God's people in the wilderness. The book of Numbers is about that 40 years that the people of God spent in the wilderness. Let me say this. They were in the wilderness not because of God, but because of their lack of faith. God wanted them to be in the promised land. And here's the fascinating thing then as you turn with me to Numbers chapter 6. And that is this. Before they ever started on this journey through the wilderness for 40 years, God at the very outset says to his people, I want to bless you. Now we're going to see tonight that when you melt it all down, really the blessing of God is God himself. And that everything that then we get beyond that really though comes from the nearness of God to us in all of life. So it's still about our fellowship with God and about our closeness with God and, and wanting God, again, more than anything else. And we, we just sang about that. But God wants us to understand that along with him, if you will, comes all this extra stuff that's so good because it, it allows us to realize all this stuff as we get closer and nearer and fellowship with God. But here's what I want us to see at the very outset of this in number six, beginning at verse 22 through verse 27. And that is that it's always been interesting to me that at the outset of this journey, God wanted to tell his people, here's what I'm going to do for you even before you get a chance to pray for me and ask me for what you think you need because I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do for you first. And we're going to see that it's always about God moving towards his people. 
So please follow along as I read verses 22 through 27 of Numbers chapter 6, one of my favorite portions of Scripture. The Lord spoke to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is the way you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Now here's the fascinating thing, and this is the thing that we need to be aware of and sort of warned of. God says at the outset, I want to bless you. I want to prosper you. But the people of God in the Old Testament never believed that. They never received that. They always doubted God's purpose to bless them. Which is why then later on, instead of accepting this and saying, I know God wants to bless us. I know he has our best interests at heart. What do they do when they send the spies into the land and the spies come back with the report? They're like, oh my goodness. Yeah, that land is flowing with milk and honey just like God promised, but there's giants in the land and we can't take them. Unbelief. Only Caleb was willing to stand and say, no, let's go. God said he would bless us. But as a whole, the nation of Israel said, nope. We really don't believe God wants to bless us. And so the book of Numbers is about how the children of Israel wandered around in that wilderness for 40 years until that generation died off. The message for us, one of them from this passage, is this to truly receive, accept, embrace, and believe that God wants to bless our church and bless your life individually. And instead of wandering around in your own wilderness or in our wilderness as a church, not really believing or doubting God's purpose to bless us, we need to open up our arms and realize, no, that's what God's purpose is for his people. He wants to bless us with himself and all that comes with that, just as he did the people in the Old Testament. In fact, I think even more because of his son, Jesus Christ. So let's look at this a little bit closer now, having sort of taken a 10,000-foot view of it. Let's get into it a little bit. First of all, I want us to note the source of the blessing, which is pretty obvious, but let's not pass over that. It is the Lord. Notice five times in these few verses that it's the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moses, verse 22. Verse 24, the Lord bless you. Verse 25, the Lord make his face. Verse 26, the Lord lift up his countenance. Verse 27, I will bless them. God is the only source of the only blessing worth having. Let me repeat that. Because even as followers of Jesus Christ, we can, 
live our lives and spend our time and effort and energy in trying to seek the blessing, if you will, of so many other things and other ways and all of that. And basically, God is saying to his people right up front, you want to be blessed? You want to truly be blessed? I'm the only one that can do it. I'm the only one that can really bless you, you see. God is the only source of the only blessing worth having. And when you and I are willing as a church and as individuals to embrace the blessing of God, we will be living at the highest level a human being on earth can possibly live because there is no greater blessing than the blessing of the Lord. When he showers his favor and his fellowship upon us, and really that's just another way of expanding what what it means to be blessed. It simply means to experience the favor and fellowship of God. And when you and I are living in that blessing, there is nothing better than that. that it doesn't get any better than that. God wants us to embrace that. God wants us to believe that. How often do we, even as God followers, waste our times on seeking, if you will, the blessing and the satisfaction and the fulfillment and the prosperity of other things that the world or the devil or some other human being can offer us that can't even compare to the riches that we already have in Jesus Christ? And so we start off tonight looking at this blessing by reminding ourselves it is the Lord that truly blesses. And nothing or no one else can compare to the blessing that the Lord can give. Secondly, I want you to notice here that this blessing from the Lord to God's people is both corporate and personal. He's got something for us individually as well as collectively. Notice this. In verse 23, it says, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is the way you are to bless. You are to pronounce God's favor upon the Israelites. That's plural. But then when you go down to verse 24 and 25 and 26, the word you is all singular. So what God is saying is this. I have a blessing for you as an individual. I have a personal blessing for you. I want to bless you personally, individually, just you and I. I, I got something for you but I also have something for you all as my people when you come together. And, and I don't mean even as large as even a church or this group. God many times blesses us through other people, with other people, by other people. So sometimes it's just one other person coming into our life. Maybe two, maybe three, maybe more, maybe a group. But sometimes it's just one other Christian that God brings into our life, and we are so blessed by having them in our life. And then what God does in that relationship or in those relationships and in those friendships is to bless us in a way that, that we couldn't be blessed if we weren't together, ministering together, serving together, friends together, all of that. So God says, I got something for you individually, and then I have something for 
you all, as you come together, that you're going to experience my blessing as you all come together. So let's look at these sort of six different aspects of the blessing of God. The first one we sort of talked about here, but let's look at it for a second. Verse 24, the Lord bless you. The word blessing speaks about, again, not just experiencing God's favor and God's fellowship, but it's, it's the idea of prospering. See, God wants his people to prosper, to be prosperous. Um, one of the parallel sort of ways to, to describe that is in the New Testament when it talks about us being fruitful. <laughs> or how the Bible even describes Christians as being a tree, or a, 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 the godly are like a palm tree, or, or like a tree planted by the rivers of water, Psalm 1, who brings forth its fruit in due season, and its leaf will not wither, and all these different things. So, so fruitfulness and productivity and prosperity and all these things are, are part of, if you will, evidence of God's blessing upon our life. God wants to prosper our church, and he wants to prosper each of us individually. And the only way you and I really prosper is when we're satisfied with the Lord, where we're saying, God, it's all about you where we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness because then all those other things he'll add to it. It's about putting God first. It, it, it's about getting our priorities right. It, it's about our worship of God and our heart for God and, and all of that. And when we do that, we prosper. And it has nothing to do even sometimes with what we go through because it doesn't mean we're not going to have any battles or struggles or whatever. But it means that God is going to be with us and near because we're going to be experiencing his favor and fellowship through it all and in it all and all of that. And, and, it, and it doesn't matter. It's, think about stories like the, the, the friends of Daniel who were thrown into the fiery furnace and yet they were prospering because this hot furnace didn't even singe or burn them at all, and they were pulled out of the fire totally unharmed. That's prospering, my friend. It doesn't mean we won't maybe go, through the, the, go into the fire, but it certainly means that with God, we can go through the fire and come out the other side. Look at Job. Job went through all those trials, but the Bible says he came forth like gold, and the second half of Job's life was even more prosperous than the first half. Why? Because Everything that God allows in our life, including people like Job in the Bible, is all about experiencing a higher, if you will, blessing and prosperity and truly understanding that the greatest blessing we can have is God himself. Let's go back even a little bit further into Israel's history, back when they were still slaves in Egypt before he even delivered them through Moses. And, and he goes to Moses and he said, Moses, I want you to, do, to be the leader to deliver my people. And Moses is like, no, nah, I, I, no. Nah. And what's God say to him? I 
will be with you. In other words, I know it may be a daunting task and maybe you don't feel like you're up to it, but I'm with you. So then, if God's for us, who can be against us? And because Moses started to realize in his life how precious, how treasured the presence of God was because he, he met with God face to face and, and his face even and his countenance changed when he, when he spent time with God and met with God in his presence had that special time with God that later on when God's like, I don't want to be with these people anymore. They're just making my head hurt. I'm, I'm paraphrasing there. That Moses basically says, God, if you don't go with this, then I don't want to go. Exodus 33. So God says, fine, I'll go. Because again, what's it all about? What good's the promised land if God's not there? What's the glory of heaven if God's not there? It's all about God. The Lord bless you. But then notice, verse 24, the Lord protect you. And how important was this, especially for the Israelites, getting ready to journey throughout the wilderness and as yet having not really displayed total unbelief. So they were, you know, hoping that maybe they were going to get to the promised land, but they knew there were enemies there. there were, and, and there was, you know, it was a daunting even place physically with mountainous terrain and, and the heat of the desert and all of that. And yet God said, I'll protect you on your journey. By the way, the word protect means to keep. We know the Bible talks a lot, about, a lot about God being our keeper. It means to watch, watch over, to care for. The word means to preserve. And then I love this. It also means to hedge about. <laughs> Literally, God says, uh, I'll surround you. I'll put a hedge about you. And when God puts a hedge about us as a church and as individuals, then we don't have to keep living our lives in fear because our safety and our security is in the Lord. Now, it doesn't mean we don't do our due diligence. It doesn't mean that we don't, you know, practice being safe and all of that. As we've said here, you know, we have a security team and we should lock our doors at night and all those kind of things. But it means at the end of the day, I can lay my head on the pillow because I'm truly not ultimately trusting in any of those things. I'm trusting in my protector, the one who has put a hedge about me, the one who has surrounded me. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he will deliver us. So the blessing of the Lord is not only the Lord himself, it is his protection that comes with it. Then verse 25, the Lord make his face to shine upon you. What's that mean? This is a picture of the delight of the Lord in his people. We are the object of his overwhelming affection, is what that phrase means. And you know what? I just want to pause here for a moment because we as Christians are really good about just sort of spouting that off and saying, yeah, I know God loves me. Yeah, I, I know. No, no, no. His face literally shines. The face of God literally lights up when he looks at us. 
Think about a new parent with their baby or even a parent with their child or a grandparent or whatever or anyone. You ever see someone's face light up when you see each other? Guess what? God's face lights up when he looks at you. And I love this because he wants to light up his face so that we can see his face in a spiritual way. He wants us through our spiritual eyes to be able to know that we are the objects of his overwhelming affection. What a blessing to go to bed every night and to wake up every day knowing that God's face is shining upon us. And then he goes on to say, and tell my people that I will be gracious to them. This means to bend or to stoop in kindness, to extend favor, even, as we would say, to forgiveness, to experience God's grace and mercy and forgiveness and the fact that though God is, occupies the highest place of the universe, he is not above bending down and stooping down to help and support and encourage us, his children, his people. He is a gracious God as well as a great God, which to me even makes him greater. <laughs> there are many verses in the Bible that picture the Lord literally running to his people whenever they cry out or call out to him. I mean, think about that. God runs to us when we cry out to him for help. When our heart reaches out to him, maybe we can't even speak the words or say the words, but he knows what's in our heart. And he's there. He's gracious to us. Now think about it. We haven't even completed this blessing yet and these are things that the Israelites missed. They missed all this because they did not believe God really was who he said he was. They really doubted God's purpose to bless them. And I think the reason why God laid this passage on my heart is that I don't want any of us or us as a church to go through life missing the blessings of God that we could enjoy simply because we don't believe he is the God that he has revealed himself to be. Well, we're not done. Look at verse 26. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. What's that mean? It means to be the object of God's attention and interest. We parents and grandparents can certainly identify with this. You've got a little child especially. I'll say little child for the most part, although <clears throat> it could be adult children too, but we'll, we'll go with little children. They just want our attention. 
They just want our attention. They just want to know that we're paying attention. And so what you do when you turn your, you lift up your, you, you may be over here, and then you turn over here, you lift up your countenance, and you put your head down towards them. You, you're showing them, okay, you've got my attention now. Well, the, the crazy thing is God saying, you don't ever have to ask me if I'm paying attention to you or interested in you because I'm always paying attention to you. I'm always interested in everything that's going on with you. Nothing ever escapes my notice as God in your life. I know every detail. And I care about everything. And you don't ever have to ask me to pay attention to you because I'm always paying attention to you. I'm always lifting up my countenance upon you and seeing what's happening in your life. And then the Lord give you peace. And I think, to me, that's just the result of all the others. Because this word peace simply means a quiet heart that rests in him. How does one have a quiet heart that rests in God? Well, when you know that God truly wants to bless you. I mean, isn't that what God has said over and over again, even through the prophets? I mean, one of, one of our favorite verses in the Bible is Jeremiah 29, 11, where through the prophet Jeremiah, he tells the people of God, for I know the plans that I have for you. They're plans to prosper you, right? To, to bless you, not to harm you. To give you a future that's filled with good things, not bad things. Over and over again through the Old Testament and then even on into the New Testament, God kept reminding his people and keeps reminding us, I got good things planned for you. I want to bless you. I want to prosper you. Do you believe that? And when we believe that the Lord truly wants to bless us and protect us and make his face shine upon us and be gracious to us and is lifting up his countenance upon us continually, no wonder we have a heart that can just be quiet and rest in him. Instead of being all stirred up and troubled and agitated. Because that's where the disciples were in John 14 when Jesus said to them on the night which he was going to be betrayed, let not your heart be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe in me. Trust me that I know what I'm doing and that what I'm doing is for you. And even though it's going to look really dark for the next couple of days, I got this. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I'm going to overcome death and I'm going to rise from the dead and because I live, you're going to live too. So I got this. And then, verse 27. So they will put my name on the Israelites. How incredible is that? <laughs> Using an old expression, 
God is going to hitch his wagon to them by putting his name on them? Yeah, and guess what? God does the same thing with the church today. He puts his name, if you will, on us and identifies with us because our identity is found in him. And then he says again, I will bless or prosper them. Wow. What a God. Now remember, let's keep the context in mind here. This is at the outset of their journey. Their life and destiny and all of that could have really taken a dramatic turn had they really believed these words that were spoken through Aaron, the priest. But they didn't believe that God really had their best interest at heart. They really didn't believe that God wanted to bless them. Remember, they kept going, I wish we went back to Egypt. God's just brought us out here to die. And can you imagine, even in their faithlessness, God was still faithful, wasn't he? Throughout the book of Numbers, what's God do? He sends his pillar of fire to guide them by night. He sends the cloud to guide them by day. He, he sends manna from heaven to feed them. He sends water from a rock to, to quench their thirst. I mean, over and over again, God is still taking care of a people that don't even believe in him. That's how great and faithful God is. And yet God is basically saying, oh, I wanted to do so much more in you, through you, with you, but you wouldn't let me because you didn't believe I wanted to bless you. So at the start of 2020 at the Oasis Church, I want us to start this year with this truth in mind. God wants to bless the Oasis Church. He wants this church to experience his favor, his fellowship, his prosperity that can only come from him. And we have to, as a church, embrace that and believe that and anticipate that and expect that. He wants to see a group of people that are willing to come every Wednesday and every Sunday and every time we assemble here anticipating that God's going to bless us today. God's got a blessing for us today. And that if we don't show up, we're missing a blessing that God has for us, his people. But secondly, God's not only got a blessing for us collectively, he's got a blessing for each of us individually this year. And you have to, just as I have to in my heart, we have got to truly embrace and believe and trust that God wants to bless our life this year. Again, it doesn't mean our life this year may, may not have some struggles or battles or obstacles or difficulties or trials and all of that, but when you and I are living in the favor and fellowship of God, bring anything on, we are more than conquerors through him who love us. And we'll come out the other side even stronger and better than we did when we went in because we're being blessed through it all. 
So before we close in prayer tonight, let me have the privilege and honor as your pastor to say and declare this blessing over you tonight. The Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Let's pray. God, we thank you And God, thank you is even so inadequate. When we begin to ponder and consider and give thought to the blessing that you are in our life and subsequently to the blessings that you bring into our life because of our relationship and fellowship with you. And when we even think about the wonderful people that you bring into our life to bless us, as objects of your blessing to us, and how, Lord, you bless us together, and how we experience blessings we never could if we didn't come together. God, would you remind us that your face is shining upon us, that we are the objects always of your overwhelming affection and love. And no matter what we do or how we fail or even whatever we do, may we understand you can't love us any more than you ever have or ever will. Your love is constant and your face will always be shining upon your children. Your countenance will always be lifted up. So God, I just pray tonight that we can all leave here, God, with that peace, that quiet heart, God, that is resting in you tonight. Knowing that you've got us, that you've got our situations, you've got our circumstances, you've got our future, you've got this church, you've got our families, you've got it all, Lord. You've got this troubled world. Nothing is outside of you, God. It's all within your sovereign hand. So, Lord, may we quietly rest in you. And, God, as we leave a blessed people, may we in turn, like Aaron, seek to bless others instead of cursing them. Because, Lord, you have given us the authority and power to come into other people's lives and bless them on your behalf. So, Lord, may we be sensitive to the people in our pathway each and every day, each and every week that you want us to bless and to be a blessing to. These things we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>